Hey everyone, this is Isaac Maddox, and I'm the pastor of Activate Church, and this is our podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, builds your faith, and I hope you enjoy the message. Daniel Fasters, 30 days. We got any 30 daysers? Oh, wow, your wife cheated on her fast. All right, I guess 21 is, oh, right here, okay. Mr. Walker, 40, 40-day 40 fast. Let's give him a round of applause. It's, it's one of those secret things. I don't know. Like when I got saved, the guy that led me to the Lord was, was discipling me. He's like, all right, you know, you, you want to uh, you, you, you fast. And I was like, well, what's that? And he's like, we don't eat and you don't drink, you know, anything other than water. And I'm like, well, what good is that going to do? And you realize after looking in the text that, that there is so much power that gets unlocked when we fast and when we fast and pray. He's like, what's the thing you want the most? And I'm like, really? I want my best friend to be saved, which is my brother. And literally, I fasted, and we get to the third night. And, and, and again, I was like a, a freshie, you know, maybe a couple months saved. And I... And I Um, it's the same thing with prayer. Like, uh, is prayer really going to move things? Does prayer really have power? Do we really have the ability to shift outcomes or change the heart of God? If we look in the book of Genesis, Moses did. So certainly we can, right, by power to be able to come to the Father, uh, the throne of grace, and, 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 and pray. Put our requests known before God. There's power in that. And, and the world doesn't quite figure that out because they don't understand it. And, and abiding is another one of those. It's another one of those, I think, pillars in the faith that when we do appropriately, when, when we're connected in that level with God, that there is a power and a supernatural infusion that will come into your spirit where God will upgrade you in areas that you need upgrade in. God will answer prayers that you need prayers in. God will give you direction for what you're looking for. Your marriage can get some resolution. Your kids can start being on fire for Jesus. You know, the list goes on. But it comes from some of these secret ones. I love it how Jesus talks about this. Hopefully you don't mind. I'm just jumping right in for time. I normally have a funny story. Um, you guys can just kind of laugh at me stand up here. You know? um, but yeah, let's just, let's just get right into it. Um, you guys can put the title up. Hidden. The secret power of a body. See, I figured if I put the word secret in there, I'd be like, ooh, I want to know that. It's a secret. It's a secret. It's a good secret. Jesus loves the good secrets, by the way. He loves them. It says in Matthew eleven twenty-five through 26, it says at that point, Jesus said, I love it. Jesus called his shots. You ever, you ever read that about Lazarus? 
Lazarus is dead, been dead for three days behind the tomb. And, and Jesus like openly declares to everybody there. He's like, Father, I thank you that you hear my prayers and that, that for your glory, you're going to raise him from the dead on the resurrection. And the, the stone rolls out like Jesus like publicly called his shot. And, and that's, that's kind of what he's doing a little bit here. He's publicly calling it. Because it's important that we know that this power is tied to Jesus. It's in him. He said, Jesus, he says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned. We don't use that word anymore, learned. And revealed them to little children. That's us. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. He hides nuggets, kingdom nuggets, within parables. That's why people were so confused about Jesus. There was crowds following Jesus. And one day Jesus gets them together and he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can no longer be my disciples. And like the next verse it says, and many of them lost faith and left. They all left him. You just got done getting fed. 5,000 of you with the miracle. Jesus is like, it's time to slim it down. We have a lot of folks that that say that they follow me, but some of them may just want a free lunch. Jesus had to whittle them down because he was all about reproducing, but he was about reproducing disciples. That's what Jesus is most after. He's wanting to reproduce. And there's, there's, there's some folks that maybe were there that, I don't know, maybe weren't there for the long term. It, it really did push a lot of people away. I feel like this is one of those secrets that Jesus has tucked away for us as believers to show us, to demonstrate what that looks like. Jesus says that he abides within the Father and the Father abides within him. In the same way that the Father abides within Christ, he wants to abide within us and us in him. There's this, there's this relational like complexity to the three of us all connecting together that Jesus wants. And he says, this is how the world will know that you're my disciples. Right, that, that I abide in you and you abide in me. There's something about this that I don't think we truly grasp or understand that he wants to reveal to us so that we can truly abide in him. Good. We can truly abide in him. So uh, the, the, the two main themes uh, of our conversation today right, um, is going to be around the topic of abiding. But two things. One is rest-filled worship. When you worship, you should worship from a place of rest, not worship to achieve rest, right? A lot of us will worship or serve God to get to a place of security, not knowing that it's Christ's will that you're in a place of security and that is the place you worship from. It's completely all different, right? We don't, we don't serve God to, to, to be loved by God. We're loved by God, hence we serve God. When we, when we worship God, we should worship from a place of rest and acknowledgement that the world and the galaxies and the stars and everything is held together by his word. He spoke it and it all holds together. That's the same God who is supernaturally in control, sovereignly in every facet of your life. And when you worship him, you can worship him from a place of rest. That you don't need to have all the answers. That you don't need to have it all figured out. And you don't need to have it all together. He loves you. He loves you. Hence your worship to him is, is love back to him. The second is loving intimacy. One kind of leads into the other. When we, are, when we are effectively abiding in our relationship with God, effectively abiding 
intimately. There's, you can't help but have intimacy. Right? You can't help but, go, but, but, but have intimacy. Like I, I worked at a, a, a financial company and had left them to go move to Bend. But, you know, my wife and I were on a trip with one of my coworkers. And, and I remember him telling her, like, well, you know, I mean, he invited you on this trip to come with us. But he probably likes to go on his own vacations by himself, too. And I was like, no, no, no. I love bringing my wife. She's, she's, she's relationship. She's connection. We do life together. We do everything together. Yeah. There's loving intimacy. Why would I want to go someplace without her? Yeah. If, if she's an option to come, I want her to come. That's why... Because we abide together, we live together, we connect together, there's intimacy. And so there's this union that God wants to create with you. And, and what I feel like the Holy Spirit was even sharing with me, even in first service, is this is not a salvation issue. What this is, is this is an abiding issue. If, if, if this is perfect abiding, right, and over here is saved, but I don't really have much connection with God... I think we're somewhere in between every single person in here. And, and I feel like the mission that, that God is on today for this service, for you today, is to swing everybody in alignment over here. In alignment over here under the place of abiding and resting in him. Amen? Yeah, man, my, my, my aunt, she, was, she died of cancer uh, in Central Oregon. But, but one of the most wise, Jesus-like people I've ever met Right, And one of the things that she told me was her daily prayer was she was like, Sean, I need to put myself in alignment. I've got to get my mind first in alignment. And so my prayer to start my day is, Lord, help me to get in alignment. I take my mind and I put it under submission to the mind of Christ. I submit to your word. I submit to your knowledge. I submit to your wisdom. I'm under that. You do that with your spirit. My spirit is prone to want to go over here to the right or the left. And, and I'm, I'm coming under and I'm coming into alignment. I want your spirit to lead. I want the Holy Spirit who's intertwined with my spirit as I'm, as I'm born again. I want him to lead and I want him to guide. Right? It's this, it's this I don't need to have all of that as long as I'm in alignment with you. And that's our mission today. Is how do we get from wherever you are at in perfect alignment? Abiding in Christ. Amen? Amen? I don't understand... I don't understand the desire to not want to abide, but I understand that life happens, and, and sometimes we can fall out of abiding without even knowing it. It can happen when life gets busy and life gets stressful or calamity hits. Sometimes we can fall out of that, but the good news is, 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 is Jesus is always at the door. Right, He's always there saying, hey, do, do, do you want to come into uh, alignment? Do you want to abide in me? Do you want to come and remain in me? Do you want to rest in me? You want to have, you want to, you want to, you want to dine with me together? That's the invitation today. So let me just pray. Just take a deep breath. No pressure. Father God, Lord, we just come into your presence today. We just want to know you. We want to walk with you like Enoch, who walked with you all the days of his life and you took him back up to heaven. But we want to walk like David did with you, Lord, who intimately knew you. Jesus, you demonstrated how to get away and go connect with the Father. We want that for our lives. We want that intimacy. We want that revelation. We want that connection with you. And actually, you want it for us 
more than we wanted ourselves. And today, God, we just open up our spirits. We open up our hearts. We open up our minds right now, God. And we just say, God, have access. If, if I'm out of alignment or I'm deceived into thinking I'm abiding in you, show me. If there's parts in my life right now that are causing me to not be able to abide in you, God, show me so that you can prune them so that I can bear more fruit and I can look more like you. Your desire for every single one of us in this house is to look like your son. And how we do that is by allowing you to shape us and prune us and form Christ in us. And so, Father, I ask today, Lord, that you would imprint, shape, change, and cause us to desire you above everything else in this world. And all God's people said, amen. amen. I mean, is that your desire? I want him. Like, I want him. I want him. The tricky thing about abiding is you don't know you're abiding until you are abiding and then you're not abiding. Yeah. That sounds like a couple of double negatives there, but you don't know yeah. you're not abiding until you've been abiding. Right. right? Like you don't know what a good marriage relationship looks like until you're walking in it and then you're not walking in it. Right. You're like, whoa, geez, I tasted, I saw, that was wonderful, that was intimacy, that was connection, that was communication, that was forgiveness, that was wonderful, that was, that was how that was supposed to be. There's a, there, there's, there's a level in your relationship with God that you can look at and say, well, that's how it's supposed to be. And you can only walk in that as, 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 a, as a believer, not just through salvation. That's step one. But you need to, by faith and obedience, make a choice that you say, God, I want more. And then you come to the destination of abiding, destination of abiding. And you knock on that door and you say, hey, God, I, I want in. I want in. And, and that's when he invites you to deeper levels of intimacy, deeper levels of communication, deeper levels of, of knowing him more. Knowing him more. So today, I want to explore that with you because I believe that, that being a Christian is good, but being a Christian who abides is wonderful. It's wonderful. I love hearing his voice. I love it when he, when, when he guides me. I love it when he speaks to me. I love it when he does, because it's so different. The way he talks to you, like the voice that he speaks to me in is different than the voice that he talks to my wife. Um, she says, you know, sometimes it sounds like her own father speaking to her. You know, kudos to you. Um, sometimes it just sounds different. Like for me, he's like, knucklehead, what are you doing? Like for her, he's like, my daughter... <laughs> no, right? It's a little different for everybody. That's, but that's how wonderful the Holy Spirit is, is he's like, I know how to connect to you. I know how to get you on the right path. But the key is, is that he can't force us, right? I've heard it like he's a gentleman, right? He can knock, but he doesn't force his way in. It's our job to respond to him and say, I'm surrendered. I don't want to be a Christian if it isn't intimate. I don't want to be a Christian if it's not wonderful and majestic. I don't want to be a Christian if it's just, you know, another thing. I want to be a Christian because I want to be with you. That's why he did it all in parables is because he didn't want people that didn't have a heart for him to get the revelation that was only for those who want him, not what he can do for them. Right? Like the wisdom of God is for those that desire him. He doesn't give away these truths and these nuggets just for the sake of it. He hid them and he gave them to people that loved him, not people who just wanted things from him. 
And the beautiful part is, is one comes after the next. Like wanting and desiring God as your great treasure and your great reward. Once he is that, then everything else comes together. It's like the other verse, right? That, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and what? All these things. He's calling us to the seek. He's calling us to the abide. Amen. He's wonderful. Just because he is. And I'm not wonderful. But he loves me. He loves me. And you're not wonderful, but he loves you. And that's wonderful news. So let's jump into it. Rest-filled worship. So my wife and I, we moved to Bend about 12 months ago. Uh, land flowing with milk and honey and no clouds. Right? Not, all, not raining nonstop. But when we left, we left without a plan. And, like legit, like leave a six-figure job. Um, left behind insurance and all the medical stuff taken care of. Left this, right? And like, man, it, this is so good. We always think about like how blessed you are here. So wonderful here. It's a great church. We left this behind, right? We're still connected, but we had to leave, right? Friends and family and relationships and the kids with school, like we left it all behind. And you have to appreciate that when you go out in a word, when you go out there, there's no steps in front of you. So you have a choice. You can kind of try to wrestle with it and come up with your own solutions on what you think is best. Or you can just surrender. And so when we got out there, there was no plan, not exactly anything laid out for what we wanted to do. Should I go hunt down a job? Should I go, you know, start a church, like what we want to do and what we feel called to do? You know, should we go connect with it? Like, what do you want? And God was like, just rest. Just rest. Well, yeah, you're exhausted. Am I? Yeah. You're worn down. Your last three years have been chaotic and planning and packing and, 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 and just getting ready for what's ahead. God's like, just rest. Just rest. Just rest. Yeah. And hey, while you're resting, let's start doing these daily hikes. So now five, six times a week, I go on this like five mile hike. You don't have to do it like this. But this is where his strategy is so different than mine. He's like, I want to give you rest, but I also want to start building your hunger. Yeah, right. I want to start building your desire. And you, so, you, you see, I, I mean, I've been saved 20 years, which is not that long. There's a lot of super saints in here. Um, just to have been. You've been saved for longer. I've never experienced anything like this. Big leap of faith to step out there and hear God is saying, hey, just, just rest. And... And, and I always would kind of pride myself arrogantly as somebody that loves God, somebody that preaches. You know, we were youth pastors here for quite some time, uh, you know, preached on Sundays, all this. Like, I felt like I was a pretty good Christian. And what happened is, is when I got there and I started going on those hikes, and each one of those hikes really just ended up being like a church service where I'd put on a couple worship songs in my headset Right, And then I would even do my own transition before I would push play on the sermon. I'd be like, all right, Lord, I open myself up. I'm ready to receive. You know, I'm doing my own church service. I'm doing all this, and I can't sing, so i got to play worship. Yeah. Right? Um, so, so I would do, it's just like, and then they turned into church services five, six times a week. Right? And I, and I began to realize I was not abiding prior that doesn't mean I wasn't saved. That doesn't mean that my life was a total train wreck. That doesn't mean that I didn't desire God. All those things I did. I loved God. But I wasn't abiding at the level that I am at this point. 
And I don't say that as a flex on my own discipline. In fact, I would say it's kind of the opposite. All it is is making an availability to your heart to say, God, I need you. I desire you. I long for you. I need you to show me what I need to do. I need you to speak and build me up. I need you to give me vision because I've got a wife and three kids. We moved into the middle of nowhere, and they're like, what are we doing? If I don't have him guiding, leading, and shaping, then we're in a lot of trouble. But what I found is that when I stepped out in faith, when I trusted God, and you don't have to move to Bend to do this. This is about you and God, not a location found all he really wanted was for me to, to rest. Yeah. So go with me to, to, to 1 Kings 17, 2 through 6. One of my favorite prophets in the Old Testament, Elijah. So I named second-born son that. I love Elijah. He's just such humanity, but he really he stuck to his convictions. He loved God. It says, then the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah. And just to give you a little pretense, he was being chased down by King Ahab, ready to kill him because he just prophesied there'll be no rain in the land for three years. Sorry for the bad news. They're in the <laughs> desert. Uh, and so they were like, all right, well, we'll just kill the prophet, and then God will open up the rains. That was the idea. It says, then the word of the Lord came to him saying, go away from here. Everybody say, go away from here. Go away from here. Go away from here. God, that's okay. And turn eastward word and hide yourself. So go away from here and hide yourself. Those are real brave words. By the book, Brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. It shall be that when you drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to provide food for you there. So he went and did everything according to the word of the Lord. That's what we got to do. We got to do it his way, right? Yeah. Got to do it his way. According to the word of the Lord, he did it. For he went and lived by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, which he would drink from the brook. So, so here is Elijah in the middle of somebody trying to kill him for obeying God, and the solution is, I want you to go away from here and hide yourself. Now let me ask you this. When, when Jesus was getting pressured from all sides from people that did not like what he was saying, what was the daily for Jesus? The daily for Jesus is he would go away and he would hide himself to connect with the Father, right? He would do it just like this. And it's funny how in the Old Testament it's the same thing. He obeyed and gone, he left and he hid himself. So yes, there is an action required to this whole abiding thing. In fact, I'll go as far as to say that abiding in Christ is just a destination. It's, the abide is a destination, right, where faith and obedience will take you to the door. But it's up to us to knock and open and come in and, 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 and dine with Christ in the abide. And you'll find that that's exactly what Elijah did. He left and he hid himself, which was his faith and obedience part, which brought him to the door to abiding. God sovereignly took care of him. I don't know if I would eat out of ravens, though. Right? I'm like, what type of pestilence do you got on your little raven? You know, maybe you got raven, raven rabies or I don't know, right? I mean, I, could you imagine they're like just their little claws and they're just dropping bread right there for you? I'm like, I don't know. I'd have to pray a little bit. They're dropping meat. Is this meat cooked? I don't know. Just ravens dropping stuff. But yet God sovereignly took care of him. I mean, it was a year plus. 
But Elijah didn't try to come up with his own solution. Elijah didn't say, well, I know somebody who's in, you know, east of Jerusalem that's got a hideaway. They can take care of my needs. They can feed me uh, and, and all this bunker down there until King Ahab forgets about me. No, that's not at all how it went. The Lord says, go and rest. Go and, go and hide yourself away. And I'm going to restore you because you're exhausted. And I'm also going to give you vision for what's in front of you. Sometimes we just need to rest. I know that's exhausting in today's day and age to think about not doing something and letting God do it. But ultimately, Elijah had to say, I can go hunt this stuff down. I can try to do it on my own. Or I can just sit and I can obey the word of the Lord and allow him to take care of me providentially. Amen. It's okay to let God take care of your finances providentially. It's okay for God to take care of your career and your marriage providentially. Sometimes he's going to ask you to get out of the fight and just trust. Amen? That's tough because you're effectively giving up control. But that's okay. Another kind of connection within this rest, rest-filled worship. Let's go to Luke 10. This church has been covering Mary and Martha on and off over the last year. Great messages. It says, now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, this is Jesus, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home, and she had a sister called Mary, who was also seated at the Lord's feet and listening to his word. But Martha was distracted. Are you distracted? Cell phone, social media, news. Martha was distracted. The Lord himself was teaching in her living room. Jesus. The Lord himself was in her living room giving a small group. And she's, she's distracted. You can miss what's right there if you don't settle. Now, what's great about Mary, let me finish this verse and I'll get to that. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations. She came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do the serving myself? I love Martha. I am Martha. (laughs) Then tell her to help me. It's a second born thing. Uh, But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're so worried and distracted by many things. But only one thing is necessary for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. I love the fact that Mary was in tune with what was happening. She was, she was the type of person we can see from the scriptures that was more naturally prone to take on rest, less prone to get distracted with busyness. Martha was the opposite. So this concept of resting for Mary would have been very easy. For her, it was natural to sit at the feet of Jesus, who was teaching right there in her living room. She was comfortable at the feet of Jesus. And I love that because that is the place that rest-filled worship actually occurs. You hide away, you get by yourself, and you get at the feet of Jesus, and you minister to him. Now, Martha, on the other hand, which is what I'm like, it is so foreign to me, the idea of resting. I hate the idea of resting. And what made it worse is probably like a decade ago, I was at a a conference, and these prophets came up to me. And one of the things they said is, hey, your ministry is going to be tied in with rest. It's going to be marked by rest. And I'm like, awesome. Awesome. Just have the most go, 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 go guy that is wired and driven to go. And my ministry is going to be sit. 
Sit at the feet of Jesus. Just sit. Let him do the work. I marvel at that, and I think God chuckled too about that. I get it. I know Martha said, but there is something that happens to us, whether you are a, <coughs> a Martha or a Mary, when you, can, when you can get away from everything that's going on, and you can just sit at the feet of Jesus. When, when all hell, I can say that in church, is breaking loose, because it's spiritual, in your life, and yet you find time for Jesus. There is something that pleased Jesus about this. Martha was working to make Jesus a meal. Martha was, was prepping the house so that Jesus would feel comfortable. Martha was doing all of this to honor Jesus with a wonderful environment. And yet Jesus looks at Mary, who's just at his feet, and says, she's chosen the good part. Martha, Martha. One time I said that to my wife. I was like, Emily, Emily. She was like, she gave me the dagger eyes. <laughs> she's the country road girl. Like, she's like, oh, we'll just go back roads. I'm like, give me I-5. We're going straight through this sucker. Right? We have to be comfortable trusting at that level. We have to be comfortable resting. Or else this whole abide thing, it doesn't really work like that. So do you think about, like, loving intimacy? So the first section's rest. The second's loving intimacy. When I think of loving intimacy, at least when I was an unbeliever, I'm like, that has nothing to do with God. What do you mean it has? Loving intimacy? He's like up in the clouds somewhere, I think. Right? Loving intimacy. When I think of loving intimacy, I'm thinking like Marvin Gaye, you know, uh, when a man loves a woman. Like, I can, like, that makes sense to me, loving intimacy. But no, there is so much intimacy available to you in relationship with God. Here's what I mean. When I got saved... Loving intimacy is what I experienced. When I sat there and asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior some 20 years ago, I hated God at that point, but I realized how emotionally, spiritually bankrupt I was. But I came to him with all I had and said, yes, I believe you. And I sat in that chair in that hotel for like five hours as the rivers of water. I'm not kidding you. I was like, the only thing I can compare it to is maybe like three um, three of those love drug pills, whatever those were called, ecstasy. I was like, this is what that's like, right? Go, you know, water to the top of your head, to the bottom of your, I was a heathen, top of your head, bottom of your feet, just rushing back and forth, cleansing me with love. And I experienced that. Now, I cannot imagine being in a relationship with God and not have that connection. I don't know how you do it. I said this, you know, ears closed for kids. I'm like, that'd be like getting married and, and never being intimate with your spouse. I, I just I feel like I feel like th that's what it's like with Christ. If you don't have intimacy, you're missing out on the sweet spot. You're missing out on one of the best proponents of that relationship is you connecting with him, abiding in him, and having a deep emotional connection to your Savior. He desires that for you. He longs for that. In fact, that's why you're saved is because he said, I want to live in you. I want to abide in you. As much as the Father and I are one, so too you and I are. And that's how the world knows that you're my disciples, right? That Christ is alive in you, that the love of God is being displayed in your life because you're abiding. All of this becomes extremely challenging, walking in Christ without it. Like, I just, I don't know how you do it. Like, I'm a, I'm a heathen, right? If, 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 I don't, if I don't get my time in with Jesus, I'm in trouble. Uh, I mean, if I'm grumpy, the wife's like, well, when's the last time you went for a walk? Maybe it's walk time for you. I don't get mad at anyone. I was like, yeah, you're probably right. 
I do need it. I do need it. In fact, we went on a, on a backpacking trip, I want to say, uh, what, several weeks ago with, you know, family members, and it was really cold. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Just so cold, snowing on us backpacking. I was not ready for that. Yeah. Um, came home, and my body had fever chills. Yeah. But, but after all the family left, I remember my first night just sitting out by my fire, and I had worship music on, and I was reading the Word, and I just sat there and just wept. Yeah. Wept. And you want to know why? It's because I hadn't abided for like the last four or five days. Right. And that may seem foreign to you. And, and trust me, I, I, I get that that may be a little bit foreign to some of you. But I think the problem with abiding is that you don't know that you're not abiding until you are abiding. And then you're no longer abiding. Right. right? Because Christianity is only as good as what you've experienced to some extent. Like if you haven't experienced intimacy and abiding with Christ, it may feel like a foreign concept. But if you have experienced deep, intimate, like where you don't need to be forced to, you actually desire God and you can't function without God. You can't go into public without God. I remember when I first got saved, I would not leave the house until I felt the presence of God. Like I needed you in my life, not just because somebody told me to. I wanted to. Do you want that? Do you desire that? Because it's perfectly possible. Proof. To be saved and not abide. Abiding is not a salvation issue. You don't lose your salvation if you don't abide. It just makes your Christianity powerless to some extent. Like like you're missing the 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 the, the power, the dynamite. You're missing the the, the fire in your bones. You're, you're missing the the passion. You're missing the excitement. You're missing the wow. Gosh, I don't know how you do it without it. I don't know. Sometimes I just, and, and this isn't to make you feel bad. This is to say that we all need the same thing. Every single one of us in here, I don't care if you, you're kind of abiding or abiding is so foreign you've never thought of it. And I don't know if you even are interested just because there's some kook up on stage like talking about abiding. Like wherever you are on the spectrum, we all need to come into alignment with abiding. We all do. We all do. And this, this isn't like a, this, this isn't a verse to make you feel bad, but li- listen to Jesus. I love making him the bad guy. I'm like, it's him. I didn't say it. It's him. John 5, 37 through 40. It says, as the Father who sent me, and he's talking to religious folks, by the way. Religious folks of his day. That's us. He has testified to me. You've neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. You do not have his word abiding in you. For you do not believe him who he sent. Okay. You search the scriptures. Like they even got in here. Memorize this. Because you think that in them you have eternal life. It's this that just testifies to me. It carries you to me. And you're unwilling to come to me. So that you may have life. Are you willing to come to him? Real question. Not just saved. And if you're not saved, we'll talk about that later. I'm saying you're saved. Are you really willing to come to him? You search for me. You read about me. Will you come to me? No strings attached. Recognizing somewhere on this spectrum you are today. He says, come to me right in here. 
again, you don't know that you're at wherever you're at until you get to abiding. Yeah. And when you realize you're abiding, then you say, why in the world yeah. was I doing this? Yeah. Yeah. Like, seriously, why was I doing this? Yeah. It, it, it lacks power, yeah. right? The, the, the Bible talks about in the latter days that, that there's men who will, who, will, who will take on a form yeah. of godliness but deny yeah. the power. Wow. Where is your power from? Your source. Your source. In fact, this was not really an early church, you know, kind of problem. This is something that we're kind of facing as we become more civilized. Um, There's a gentleman here, you know, one of my favorite, you know, biblical expositors out there, uh, Alexander McLaren. He's from the 1800s. Tell me if this doesn't sound like today. 1800s, 200 plus years ago. Listen to this. He says, get away into the secret place of the Most High and rise to a higher altitude and atmosphere than the region of work and effort. The higher elevation is just in the Most High, not not effort. And sitting still with Christ, let His love and His power pour themselves into your hearts. Come, my people, enter thou in thy chambers. Sorry about the thousand eyes. Enter thou into thy chambers, as in go to your quiet place. Sound familiar? And shut thy doors about thee. Get away from the jangling of politics. Can we just stop? There's, you know, Republicans aren't in heaven and Democrats in it. There is none of that. Jesus isn't on either party. Get away from the jangling of politics. It's sucking the life out of you. And it's a distraction from what's really happening. And empty controversies. Plenty of those to go around. And busy distractions of daily duty. The harder our toil necessarily is, the more let us see that we keep a little cell within the center life where we in silence hold communion with the master. Abide in me and I in you. That's the early 1800s. It's the same beckoning call for us today. God wants you so desperately to be in intimacy with him that that he sent me up here on stage to scream at you for an hour about that topic. He wants you there. And actually, to be fair, you want to be there. Right? You want to be there. Right? Like, have you ever had espresso ice cream? If you haven't, taste and see. You'll want it, but you don't know you want it until you have it. And it's a little bit like Jesus in the same in the same sense, right? I mean, Jesus is not express, so be, but you don't know. Some of us, <clears throat> when we got saved, you'll find in this text we're going to get into. Jesus talks about you know remaining in me, which in a sense, what that means is is that at some point in time we are all there. When you get saved, you're immediately placed into abiding. That's the place you naturally start, where intimacy and relationship is developed and like the desire is happening at that point where he's like I love you and you're like I love you too he's like I I want you to walk whole and you're like I want that too I want you to be pure in your mind and body I want that too let's spend time together I want that too but what happens is at some point in time it can happen fast or it can just be a slow and this is kind of what I, I did you know, not enough to be like, hey, he's backslidden. 
I mean, I was still preaching. But, I mean, out of the abide. Still read my words, still listened to my worship, still prayed, still served the church. But I wasn't abiding. And I didn't know I wasn't abiding until I began abiding and realized, what am I doing? Why would I not want this? Why would I not want this? That's our call. God's like, hey, do you, do you want this? Do you want me? Because, because being a Christian without that, it's just, I, 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 don't, I, I don't get it. Let's look what Jesus said about this. We're just gonna we're just gonna spend the rest of the time in the book of John, John 15. I love John 15. Jesus just got betrayed by Judas. Judas has left. He's off doing dirty work. It's just him and the disciples in the upper room. And this is where in 15, 16, 17, Jesus is laying out like kind of his last words. Like there's some more words, but this is like specific instruction. It's all red. Not just some black and then red. It's all red, basically. 15, 16, 17. He's teaching the disciples, this is how you'll interact. This is how you interact with God. This is how you interact with the world. And in 15, he says, I am the true vine. Source. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so there'll be more fruit. Jesus is the vine, and the Father and you is the one who prunes you. So what does he mean by every branch that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away? This is not a salvation takeaway. You don't lose your salvation by not abiding. Hence the fact that we're all over here, but we're, we're saved, we're intimately connected with Jesus. But as a Christian, it is on us to examine ourselves. Examine your heart. It is on you. It is your responsibility to say, Holy Spirit, examine me. Yeah. Review me. Look at my heart. Look at my, my life. Is it in alignment with you? And if not, if I've been deceived in any way, show me. That's on us to do that. But Jesus is saying it's removed. And what that means is, is you're kind of shifted in a place where you're not going to bear fruit. You're not going to bear fruit. And what not bearing fruit means, it means that your life is not bearing the fruits of the Spirit. You're not growing. You're not seeing Jesus formed in your life. That's how somebody can be saved for 30 years. And my son has been saved for a sixth of that. And he's more hungry. And he's read the Bible all the way through. And he has desire for God. And he pursues God. It's not about years. It's about, maybe if it was about years, how long have you been abiding? If we want to really measure years. It's not how long you've been saved. How long have you been intimately abiding in Christ? He wants us to abide. And in fact, if we look at the fruits of the Spirit, these are the things that He wants to upgrade you in. Galatians 5, 22 through 25, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. How many of you need an upgrade in your love? Like, really? Judgmental is the get up, and you're like, I don't need any more love. Of course you need more love. I need more love. Love from God through you to others. An upgrade in your love, an upgrade in your joy. One of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. This is something you don't have to work for. It'll naturally come out in your life. Hear me. When you're abiding, these are the fruits of the Spirit that will naturally bear fruit and bud in your life. If if you're looking for more joy, if you're looking for more peace, if you're looking for more forbearance, which is kind of like self-control, but but willingness to put stuff on the side. If you're looking for kindness, that means nice goodness, but with a cost to you. Uh, Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
These things will naturally bud in your life when you're connected to the vine. Are you connected to the vine? Are you Because this is your invitation. Are you connected to the vine? I mean, the only way to bear fruits of the spirit that Jesus is talking about is supernaturally. Supernatural joy, supernatural peace, supernatural love for others, supernatural. How can you not supernatural bear fruit that's supernatural? Well, the only way is to be connected to the supernatural. And when you're connected to the supernatural in abiding, you'll actually bear supernatural fruit that doesn't make any sense. So when chaos is happening, when the world gets crazier because it will, when darkness outside gets worse because it will, right? Things are going to get crazier. You have to know that when you take a place of abiding, resting, letting God fight your battles, trusting him, you will bear fruit in the middle of hardship that doesn't make any sense. You're like a in, in a field of, of weeds. You're that one little rose that's grown up out of the middle of nowhere. People say, how does that got, how did that get there? That got there because you're tied to a different vine altogether. You're a supernatural being. You're born again. You're connected to heaven. You're not a citizen of earth. You're a citizen of heaven. And a citizen of heaven means you're directly tied to the citizenship of heaven, which is to Christ. He's the vine. You're the branches. Some of us get uncomfortable when there's pruning. This is pruning. It's challenging you. Your father in heaven says that I am the vine dresser. He wants to clean you up. Cut that selfishness out so that you can have a generous spirit grow out of that same hole. You don't have to sit there and struggle. You don't have to sit there and go through the same behavior patterns over and over again. God says, I I want to bear new fruit. But you got to come in alignment. you got to come in alignment. you got to get your heart right. got to get your heart right. Just a couple more verses. Are we okay? Are we okay? Who wants to bear more fruit? I mean, you want to bear more fruit? You want to look more like Jesus? You want joy that's unexplainable? You want peace that doesn't make any sense? Right? Do you want to love people when it doesn't make any sense? Yeah. It's not your love. It's God's supernatural love because you're connected in the vine. Amen? John 15, 3-4 says, You're already clean because the word I spoke over you. As in, anything that would prevent you as an excuse from abiding, he's removed. I'm serious. You're already clean. Yeah, but what about my pet? Already clean. Yeah, but I'm still struggling. Already. Yeah, but what about? You're already clean. You are clean. Clean bill of health. And here's the good news. If you're clean and you have access to the Father, you're going to bear fruit. You're going to bear fruit. I love that. I love that. We can have the worship team come up. You know, in this section, this whole vine and fruit stuff, there's three different types of fruit. There's bear fruit, and then there's bear more fruit, and then there's bear much fruit. The much fruit is what you're after. It's only after the much fruit is brought up that Jesus says, then they'll know you're my disciples. When your fruit's supernatural, they'll know you're his disciples. When your love is supernatural, 
Like, not your own efforts. I don't have to generate this myself. Hear me. This is not a weighty message for you to feel like, oh, I'm not cutting it. It's a weighty message in the sense that you need to surrender. If it feels heavy, you need to surrender. If it feels like it's too much to do this and live this out, good. You were never meant to do this on your own. It's the surrendering and the yielding that puts you in the place of abiding where God can supernaturally bear fruit that doesn't make any sense, that you neither toiled or labored for. It was given to you. So while God offers us an upgrade and we look at our current life, we really have to, I mean, book James calls us like a mirror, right? But, But if we look at the mirror, we look at the supernatural fruit, we look at the stuff that we want in our life, it's, it's the foolish man that, that turns away and forgets who he is. This isn't a challenge to make you feel guilty. This is a challenge for you to feel the weight so you can push it to the side and you can come to the feet of Jesus like Mary did. And you can choose the better part. And you don't have to be heavy. You don't have to be exhausted. You don't have to be bared down. You don't have to be just so running on fumes that you have nothing else to offer. And trust me, I know what that's like to feel that way, but I can tell you in abiding that doesn't exist. There is only excess in abiding. The excess, though, comes from the supernatural. John 15, 6 through 7. It says, if anyone does not abide in me, He's thrown away as a branch and dries up. They gather them and cast them into the fire and they're burned. He says, if you abide in me and uh, my words abide in you, whatever you wish, it'll be done for you. Whatever you ask, be done for you. Jesus is allegorically trying to lay this out to you. Like, are are you dry? Are you dry or are you bearing fruit? And I think most of us, maybe a lot of us, have got a lot of dry and arid spaces in our heart that God wants to fill. He wants to fill you. He wants to fill you with joy. He wants to fill you with this love. He wants to fill you with vision. He wants to fill you with purpose. So when you wake up and you get out of the bed each day, you say, you know what? I don't know what's in front of me, but God, I am so excited to be with you, to connect with you today. You're the highlight of my day. Every single day, I want to be with you. I want to I want to connect with you. John 15:8 says the my father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Jesus is 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 saying how we prove how we prove we're Christ's disciples is that we bear much fruit that we abide. Because just like the example with Jesus and the, you know, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, and many of them scattered, it's because they weren't disciples in the first place. Maybe looking for a free lunch. But Jesus' disciples, the one that chose to stay with him, to him he said, to them he said, well, you're going to bear a lot of fruit in your life. And that's going to prove to the world that you're my disciples. Not by perfect behavior, but by bearing much fruit. Are you bearing much fruit? And if not, the solution isn't self-fixed. That's what I love. It's alignment. It's alignment. And today, 
This is what I love about the Holy Spirit, and I love about Jesus, and I love about God, is that it, it, it doesn't matter when you start as long as you start. It doesn't matter when you say, God, I'm convicted and I want to abide. It doesn't matter if you say, you know what, God, I used to, but now I want something different. It's, it's, it's just, it's a moment and Jesus responds to that faith. And like I said, abiding is a destination and it's our faith and obedience that take us to the destination of abiding. But ultimately it comes to us going, Jesus, I want more of you. I want to abide in you. I want to deeply know from you. God, I want to drink of you. I want to I want to sing songs to you. I want to write and journal to you. I want to read my word to you. I just want to worship you. I want you to sovereignly take over every single facet of my life. God, I'm tired of living for myself. I'm tired of chasing after the winds. I'm tired of doing the next big thing and chasing after things that never fill me in the first place. God, I intimately want and need to abide in you. And he says, then you'll, be, you'll be, be my disciples. The world will know that you're my disciples. You're my followers. You're, you're those that desire me. And the last verse, you can stand up out of your seats. Have your moment. Please don't leave here. Convicted by God and go walk out to your car. Don't do it. You respond to your father who loves you because he loves you and that's all he has for you is upgrades. All he has for you is improvement. All he has for you is embitterment and joy and peace. Those fruits of the spirit, that's what he wants to give you. It says, just as the father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. It's an invitation to you right now. Abide in my love. Abide in my love. Don't let the person to your right or your left or any level of like, what about they think? Just, it's you and Jesus. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. These are wonderful things that He has in store for you. And I think it would bless Him more than anything else for us to be able to shift from wherever we are into an alignment so naturally created, so naturally fit for you because you were meant to abide. You were designed to abide. You were designed to be filled with God. You were designed to have purpose. You were designed to walk intimately just like Adam and Eve in the cool of the day in the garden. You were designed for intimacy with your creator. You were designed to know the thoughts of God. You were designed to closely and intimately walk with him. If right now you're saying, you know, God, I just, I want to respond, please come to the altar. We have a prayer team here right now that will pray in agreement for you over your marriage, over your kids, over your work situation, over any area in your life where you're saying, you know, God, I just need to come in alignment and abide. And if there was one thing, God, that I know that I needed to start seeing right away, your hand actively working in, I need it to be this. And right now, this is God's moment for you right now. Don't worry about afterwards and lunch. Right now, take the hand of Christ and intimately abide with Him. For the rest of us that aren't at the altar, you can just put your hands up and just declare this, sing this song over the Lord. You minister to the Holy Spirit through this.